You're listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. This week we're continuing our study of the lives of faithful Old Testament believers. We're calling By Faith. With this week's message, here's Executive Pastor Derek Hughes. I hope that you have someone that is in your life that, that brings encouragement. I'm fortunate to have friends and people that come alongside of me when I'm walking difficult situations. But I also have a guy that is an author that when I'm getting bogged down and when I'm feeling the pressure of stuff, I go to his books. He, he brings me a reminder about what's important and where my heart is as far as the situation in which I'm facing. And so I read Bob Goff quite a bit, usually go through some of his books uh, every year. But he said something recently. He said, faith is simple, but it's not easy. And we find that true. We walk through difficult circumstances. We face a lot of challenging issues, circumstances that really try us in, in life and where we're going and where we're walking. And so my hope this morning is to help us understand something of faith. And I think we all struggle with this, and it's how do we respond when things aren't going our way? See, for us, sometimes we can sit in here and we can have the nice face on now, but we may be facing stuff that we're walking right now in our life, and who's coming alongside of us, and what do we hold on to when those are happening? And so this, this opportunity for us is we're going to look at the life of Joseph as we continue in our faith. In the series of the Hall of Faith from Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be in Hebrews 11 verse 22 in just a minute. But to kind of get you thinking along the lines, um, there have been times, there's been circumstances in my life where things haven't gone my way and where my hope has been in something other and centered in something other than where it really should be. When I was young, I wanted just a normal family. I knew what was taking place sometimes within my family was not normal. And I watched with other families, and I, I spent a lot of time uh, out of my house doing things with other families, and I thought, well, that's normal. Now, remember, I didn't grow up in a social media time. I didn't get to see all the, the photos, the reels, the Insta stories, all of that, because today we have the perfect spouse, we have the perfect children, and we have the most fulfilled life because we get to see it. Wink, wink. And so for some of us, that, that, that part of, of our life and that family part for me, when I heard of God's love and what Jesus had done for me and I trusted him as my Savior, I thought, okay, great. God's going to fix it. And my family is going to be normal and I remember laying in bed one night, and it, was, it had been a really difficult day. And I blamed God. I said, you say you love me. You say you're for me. And I was probably junior high, maybe early high school at this time. And I said, but yet this isn't any better. And so I said, God, what are you doing? There's been times in my life when I've thought things might, might feel that way. If I just had some more money things will get easier. Or if I just had, 
fill in the blank with possessions. If I had more clothes, um, I, I must admit, I can become a Zillow addict. And I can go and look at houses, bigger houses, newer houses, more land, more property, all that. Sometimes my friends that are real estate agents are like, you know more in the market than I do. And I can do that. I can get caught up in that. Maybe for some of you, have you ever bought a new car or truck just because someone else did? And so it's those times that are, you know, in our lives. And, and so money and possessions have been a part of that. Yesterday was, Tammy and I, we, we celebrated our 34th anniversary yesterday. And it's, thank you. It has been for us, as we were sitting at dinner, we were, we were kind of reviewing. And we were talking about joys. And God has brought numerous joys into our lives as a result of our union and our covenant in Christ. But it also, there's, it hasn't been easy. There have been some difficult days. There's been loss that we've had to walk through together. There's been certain situations where um, we have just been divided. There's been situations where we have jumped off a cliff and hoping that God was there. And then there's, I, I, I often wonder why God hasn't fixed her yet. <laughs> but seriously, as we were talking, the most difficult part, and I think probably for us in our lives, has been infertility. We walked that path for nine years. And we were trusting God and what he was going to do and how he was going to work all this out. But there was a lot of tears. And there was difficulty. And nine years we found out later, and God blessed us with two boys. He gifted them to us. Well, that opens another whole set of things as you parents know about. Um, there's great joy. We were laughing about a bunch of things with our boys and what has happened over the years last night. But we were also recalling some nights where we laid awake just praying. The angst, some worry, and now that we're empty nesters, that brings a whole different set of challenges, but some of those don't go away. And you parents that have had children that have launched, you know what I'm talking about. And so as we think about this, this time and, and what happens in our, in our lives, we, we get pulled in different directions. Our heart gets divided. As Blake was saying, sometimes with our mind and all that comes in and goes on, sometimes what's in our mind is what's coming out of our heart. And so as we're going to take a step into the life of Joseph today, we're going to see some things that are difficult. And sometimes the details of our life, the circumstances, the reactions, and all that's going on, it, it, it can divide us. And so for the next roughly 30 minutes, I'm going to talk, talk to you about Joseph's life and what he walked through. And if you were with us in the summer of 2019, if you were attending at that point, we did a whole summer series on the life of Joseph. And we spent 13 weeks walking through the life of Joseph. And so if you weren't here at that time, I'd encourage you to go listen to those messages because there's no way I'm going to be able to really cover for you 14 chapters of the book of Genesis and us get out of here before 2 or 3 o'clock. And so if you, if you walk through that with me, I'd recommend you go spend some time and study that. 
But the first thing we're going to see is that Joseph, by faith, trusts God, no matter the circumstances or the consequences. And so if you have a Bible and you're in chapter 11 of verse 22 of Hebrews, if not, it's going to be on the screen here for you. Because we read in this hall of faith that by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus and gave directions concerning his bones. And so as we've been looking through the chapter 11, we we learned in verse 1 of chapter 11 that faith is living out the conviction of what God will bring about and the things he has said he will do. And so Joseph is making mention, here he is at the end of his life and in the faith story of the exodus, of what would be coming for Israel. And he gave gave directions to his, his family concerning his bones. And so what we'll see as we jump into Genesis is, I think Joseph understands that faith is, it's simple, but it's not easy. And so for him, when the hits keep coming, when the situation, when something comes around every corner, when faith is challenged and it's not easy, where's our heart and what is its deepest desire? And so we, we understand that sometimes God can have a far off purpose that you and I don't see, that Joseph didn't see. There's many things that did not make sense in his life, but his faith, it did not waver. A couple weeks ago, Lance showed you this slide, and I'm gonna, I, I want to repeat it to you again. Dr. Tony Evans, at the loss of his wife, he said, you have to believe that God knows what he's doing when he's not doing what you want him to do. And that for us is, it's difficult when we, we're trying to forecast, when we want control and things aren't happening our way, and we have to say, okay, God, I believe, and I don't understand these circumstances, and I don't know why this has taken place, but I'm going to believe you. Sometimes the world doesn't always work the way we want it to. And faith is simple, but it's not easy. If you turn now back to Genesis chapter 37, we're going to look at some things of Joseph's life. And so what we do in these moments is crucial to our faith. Do we have the faith to walk through the situations, what is brought about sometimes unjustly? I was at the YMCA this week and I was listening to a message and I heard another pastor talking about some things that have been taking place. And in that message, he said this, Our reactions reflect who we believe controls the outcome. And so we have to, who do we believe is is the one that loves us and desires for us in relationship to grow more into the image of his son? And do we really believe that when we know the outcome may not be what we're hoping for? And so let's look at Joseph's life. If you'd open to Genesis chapter 37... We're going to look at some of the stuff that that Joseph walks through. Now, you remember with Jacob, last week we, we understood a little bit more about Jacob's life and how in Jacob's life there was some family dysfunction and how Jacob and his mother jumped in to steal the birthright. Well, now as Jacob, as Jacob has his family, we'll see some things that part of that lineage, part of that legacy isn't always healthy. Because we see in in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, that 
Israel, Jacob, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Now, Jacob had 12 sons, and Joseph is the 11th. And so he loves his 11th son because it says he is the, he's the son of his old age. But then the end of verse 3, it says, he made him a robe of many colors. And so maybe you might be familiar with this, with this narrative of what is taking place in Joseph's life, but he receives this, this robe. And this isn't just an ordinary robe. This robe would have had to have been delicately made because with many colors, it would have had to have been hand-stitched together. And so this would be the Mercedes-Benz of robes, and it's given to Joseph from his father. And so if we're going to talk about, we're going to show maybe how family division can start, it starts here with the patriarch, and that he has chosen a favorite. And how do we know, how do the, how do the other brothers feel about it? Well, they're not real happy. Verse 4 says, when his other brothers saw that the father loved him more, they hated him. That's strong. And they could not speak peacefully to him. And so they were having trouble with the self-control. They were having trouble with what was taking place as they were watching it unfold. But what about Joseph? In verse 2, we read that he's a 17-year-old, and he's out pasturing the flock with his brothers. And it says at the end of verse 2, he brought a negative report back. Now, the text doesn't say what was wrong with how they were doing this, with what they were doing, but Joseph comes back with a negative report. And so you want to have some family division? Speak out. You want to have family division? Show favoritism. You want to have family division? How about not exercising self-control or having grace with others in your family? But Joseph takes this even a step further. We, we read in verses nine, 5 through 11 that Joseph has a dream. And he tells his brothers, and at the end of verse 5, it says, they hated him even more. And he tells his brothers, basically, my dream is that you will bow down to me. How do you think that did for family relations? It says in the end of verse 11 that they were jealous of him. And so how bad can this get in these family relations? Well, in verse 12, we see that they're sent out to, to pasture again. And at this point in verse 13, it, Israel or Jacob says to Joseph, go to them. Go to your brothers and see how they're doing. Well, verse 18, we're going to see that the brothers see that Joseph's coming and he's got his coat on. And it says they desire to kill him. Now, that wasn't just a decision on a whim. This has to have been building for some time through these 17 years of Joseph's life. They decide, as he's making his way, let's go ahead and kill him, and we'll just remove him from our family, and that will take away the problem. Well, so as Joseph gets there, one of the brothers say, no, we can't do that. Let's just throw him in a pit. And so while that brother's gone, the other brothers decide, as a group is coming by, they decide, hey, let's just sell him. And so they pull him out of the pit and they sell him. They take the coat that his father had given him after they've taken it off of him and they dip it in blood and they go back and they say, well, Joseph is no longer with us. 
Now, think of this as, as family dynamics. Put yourself in any of three situations here. Put yourself in Joseph. Okay, maybe telling the dream wasn't the wisest, but God had laid it on his heart, and so he told him about it. And yet I'm in a pit, and I'm sold, and I'm on my way to Egypt, and now I'm a slave. I've gone from the favorite to now a slave. If you're the brothers, you've got to go back and you've got to tell your father that his favorite son is dead and you have to basically fabricate a story, everybody's going to buy into it, and then you have to live with that while you watch your parents mourn and grieve. Jacob, it says in verse 35, that he's weeping as a result of this, and he refused to be comforted. And so this is a difficult family situation. And yet Joseph now finds himself as a slave. Turn to chapter 39. How does Joseph react to this situation? What is taking place? How does he move forward? How bad can it get? Well, we see in verse 39, verse 2, this is what is taking place. The Lord is with Joseph, and he was, became a successful man, and he was in the house of an Egyptian master. He saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and put him over overseer of all his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And so as Joseph now, he sold as a slave, he sold again from the Ishmaelites into Potiphar's house, and he's a slave. And you have to think, all right, what have I done to deserve this? How, how is this taking place? Why am I... God, where are you? God, is this, this can't be the best for me. This is uncomfortable. This is difficult. But the verses say that God is with him. And Joseph continues in life, and he is serving the Lord in the midst of Potiphar's house so much that Potiphar knows, and he gives glory to God by saying he is successful, and the Lord was with him, and the Egyptian master saw it. Because the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so Joseph now has gone from favorite son into a pit. Now he's a leader in, in, uh, in the home of, not Pharaoh, he's an Egyptian leader. He's, he's a leader in Potiphar's home. And so verse 7, someone else is notice, noticing Joseph, and it's Potiphar's wife. And she starts basically chasing him for an inappropriate relationship. And she keeps enticing him for this inappropriate relationship and, and how God, why now as I'm here, is this coming on? But let me read to you what Joseph responds in verses 8 and 9. It says, he refused He says to his master's wife, behold, because of my master, he has no concern over anything in the house. He's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than am I, nor has he kept anything back from me except you. You are his wife. Joseph says, 
as you do this, as a maybe 17, 18 to 22-year-old young man, he says, I can't do this. Because he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? His heart, the promise that was made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and the promise that is for him, he realizes that God has this plan and he's promised fulfillment and he does not want nor desire for me to follow this path of what would be for myself. And so he just tells Potiphar, I can't sin against God. I can't sin against my master. And he realizes his position. And so Potiphar's wife, she comes up with a plan and she ends up crying out for something that he has not done and says he took advantage of her and Potiphar burns in anger and throws Joseph in jail. Now, he's gone from favorite to the pit, sold into slavery. He's risen, and now he's in jail. And here he can say, I did nothing wrong. I honored the Lord. I honored those, those that have trusted their, their care into me, and I did not do what I was enticed to do. He honored God, and he was innocent. But in 39 verse 21, we see really what was driving Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Again, we see this. The Lord was with him as he was in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with him when he was at home. The Lord is with him now in jail. But it says, and the Lord showed him steadfast love. What a comfort that the God of the universe knew the situation that Joseph was in and Joseph felt the steadfast love, the never-ending, unending, complete love of God. And it said he showed him steadfast love and he gave him favor now inside of the keeper of the prison. He continues on serving the Lord despite what is taking place here in the circumstances. And he can't control them. Verse 23, he says that now everything, the prison master paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So chapter 40 comes. And two of Pharaoh's leaders end up in jail. And they have a dream. Now Joseph at this point could have said, hey, too bad. I've done this a couple times before, and it did not get me anywhere. But here he interprets the dream for these two, and he tells them what's going on, and he says to the cupbearer, when you get back to Pharaoh's house, remember me. Verse 23 of chapter 41 says, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Man, again, Chapter 41 starts and it says, after two more years, Joseph has stayed in prison. Where would you be at this time? I'm innocent. I did what was right. I helped these individuals. I'm forgotten, at least by the cupbearer. God, am I forgotten by you? I feel the steadfast love, but this just can't be your best. This is difficult. Faith is supposed to be simple, but it's not easy. But man, this goes beyond easy. 
As I read through this and I thought about my life, I was kind of, I was humbled because the situations that I have faced and what I thought was really tough, as I'm going through this, they, they pale in compared to Joseph's life. I'm not discounting what you guys may be walking through or some of the things you are, but when I look and I see the picture of what Joseph is walking through, I'm humbled because of his faith, because of his steadfast, his heart driven, that place in his heart being filled by the Lord with a steadfast love and walking with him. And so two years pass, and Pharaoh has a dream. And at the end of Pharaoh's dream, the cupbearer remembers, and he says, oh, wait, when I was in jail, there was someone there, and he interpreted my dream for me. And Pharaoh goes and he retrieves Joseph out and he cleans him up and he brings him before the Pharaoh of Egypt and he interprets the dream. And Pharaoh is pleased with that. And so now Joseph here again, he rises in power as he honors the Lord. He becomes second to Pharaoh. The plan is made. What faith? Let's read Pharaoh's words. In verse 38, Pharaoh says this. Pharaoh says to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none no dis more discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. You shall be over my people. Order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. All right, here's another leader. Here's another person in Egypt, a land with many gods that is acknowledging the one true God because of Joseph's life. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, when, when Jesus says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. Pharaoh has just given glory to God for what he has done through Joseph. And he sees and recognizes that. But I think one thing that's of note, if you look at verse 51, Joseph begins a family. And he has two sons. And verse 51 says, Joseph called the name of the firstborn I'm going to, I've gone blank again. I did this Wednesday. Manasseh, called the first one Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget my hardship, all my hardship, and all my father's house. The name of the second son he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so it's kind of unusual that Joseph says, my first one, Manasseh, made me forget. Do, we really, do you really think Joseph was able to forget what had happened to him in his house, with his father, with his brothers, how this all went down? No. But he was able to put it aside. He was able, because of the promise of what God had made and what the future was, even though the circumstances at the time were so difficult, 
and what he was walking through. And now he's risen to this pinnacle where we might say he's arrived. He's second in power now to Pharaoh, the greatest in the land. And so he's made it. He's arrived. But Joseph continues to honor the Lord with how he lives and where his heart is centered. And so the firstborn, has he forgotten? No. But he gives glory to God with the secondborn because he says, God has made me fruitful. I love what a commentator says about this. He says, he gave him the name because God had made Joseph fruitful in Egypt, Ephraim. He was raised from the pit to the pinnacle and made to be second in power only to Pharaoh. God had blessed Joseph and given him peace and blessing. He had peace with the circumstances and he knew he was blessed. But the commentator says, do you see the connection? We can't be an Ephraim until we are first a Manasseh. In other words, we can't be really fruitful until we are forgetting and forgiving. Because as we move forward in chapter 42, we're going to see that because of the famine, Joseph's brothers end up coming to Egypt and they, they seek food. They end up coming into Joseph's presence and they bow down before him. Joseph ends up recognizing them and there's a family reunion and as this all takes place, Joseph weeps. His heart is broken as he is being gathered back with his family, as he knows of his father still being alive and his younger brother is there and the others have come and all of this, it says that as he is in the palace, he weeps so loudly that they heard him throughout the palace. And so the Manasseh, maybe not forgotten, but had grace toward his brothers. And so even after Jacob's passing, would they fulfill the promise and they take this parade of family, and even part of Egypt goes to honor Jacob as Joseph takes him back to the land that was promised to them, the brothers go, okay, wait a minute. Now that our father is gone, the patriarch of our family, hmm, do you think Joseph's going to make things right? Do you think he's going to get even? Do you think he's going to open a can? Sorry, that's an old youth pastor phrase there. But do you think he's going to take his revenge? Here's what Joseph says. We just sang about it. As for you, talking about what his brothers had done to him, you meant evil against me. God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. And as they are today, so do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke to them kindly. Now, wait a minute. God brought all this about to get Joseph to this position so that his brothers could come, so that the dream could be fulfilled, that all of a sudden now the family would be reunited. They've walked through the passing of dad, and he's able to say, you meant it for evil. God has used it to keep you alive to keep our legacy alive and for his name to be spread through this region. Because, you know, if Pharaoh's honoring God and as it goes about and Joseph has this power, he has the ability to talk about how God gave him 
that ability to, for the dream. And so the family is back together. But an incredible part of this is the faith that began with Abraham. It's passed down to Isaac. It's passed down to Jacob. Joseph saw that with the limp after wrestling with God. And now it's Joseph. And from Hebrews 11, we see that he says, when, when my time has passed and when the exodus, not if, when the exodus takes place, I want you to take my bones and I want them to be with our family in the promised land. And so how does this play out? Well, in Genesis 50, the last words that we see, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Thus Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, surely will, surely, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. And so here's that directive. He says to his family, to his brothers, to his children, he says, I don't know the timing, but I know God has been faithful to his promises, and I am a part of that legacy. And so when I am gone, when this happens, I want my bones to go when my life is over. And so Exodus chapter 1 starts, and as we see the rise of Moses, and we, we'll, we'll look at a little bit of that next week, but as we, as we talk about what took place, when the Exodus starts, we read this in Exodus 13, 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Hundreds of years later, here we are at the point, the exodus is starting, Israel has grown, God is leading them out, and they say, oh wait, Moses says, we got to go get Joseph. Now, here's kind of my, I don't know, twisted mind. As they are making their way out and they're carrying the legacy is there. Hey, who's that? That's Joseph. He's the one that, through the famine, he sustained our people and all of this. But you wonder, as they're, they're wandering the 40 years, is somebody going, hey, who has Joseph this week? I mean, as, as, we're, as we're moving on, we're, Joseph, do, do you, oh, okay, we got Joseph, we're good. Let's follow the, the cloud. But through all of this, Moses honors this. And so when the covenant is renewed and Joshua has led the sons into the promised land, as for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought with them from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob brought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money, it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. And so this, this promise that was made, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and now Joseph, and he's walked through all of these things, and with his heart, he's faced all these instances, he's faced these circumstances. The faith was simple, but it's not easy. And so... How do we then tie this all together? What is it for us that we can walk away with as we think about this? Well, let me read to you what Warren Wearsby says. He says, the faith of Joseph was certainly remarkable. After the way his family treated him, you would think he would have abandoned his faith, but instead it grew stronger. 
even the ungodly influence of Egypt did not weaken his trust in God. Joseph did not use his family, his job, or his circumstances as an excuse for unbelief. Joseph knew that where he belonged in Canaan and not in Egypt, so he made them promise to carry his remains out of Egypt at the Exodus. And then he says in capital letters, they did, exclamation. And so for us, how do we walk through this? Where this God who showed his love, his steadfast love, he is committed to his promises. What about us? If I can encourage you as you leave today, that same God who showed his steadfast love has that love for us. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with us, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for you have been saved by faith. And so God loves us. God loves you. God desires a relationship with you. And if you're here and have been carrying the burden and trying to do this all by yourself and you feel the weight and you haven't experienced the love of God through Christ, I'd invite you right where you're seated or however you're hearing this message to embrace the love that was given to you on Calvary's cross where Jesus paid the penalty for our sin when I was dead, for my sin, for your sin. It made us alive together with him. And so we're saved by his grace. And so we have a God who loves us. But also we have a God who will never stop loving us. Because he says, Paul says in Romans, no, in all things we are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so not only do we have a God who loves us, who's provided the way, that love will never stop. And so what is our challenge? What is our, our goal of how we live out this heart of faith that keeps us centered on him? John, Jesus says, and John, I give you a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. Express that toward each other just as I have loved you. Where we saw that in Joseph as he moved about, these people, as he rose in power as he fell, he lived consistently and he loved well. Because he says, by all this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's how they knew Joseph was a follower of God, because how he loved and the way he handled himself. But also, what we can hold on to is what Joseph held on to, that God's promises, they're secure. And so for us, my father, Jesus says, my father who has given them to me because of faith is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of his hand. Our eternity is secure. God could return at any moment, or he could choose to wait. But whatever that takes place, as Joseph was waiting that when they were going to arrive, we wait for the hope of our Savior who will return. And so no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. That makes the beauty of John 3.16 so incredible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's the beauty of God's love for us. Um, many of you probably have heard of evangelist Billy Graham. 
And Billy Graham used to travel around the world, and he used to share the love of Christ. Well, there's a story about his last days. One of his last days, he, he went to a public gathering. He wasn't supposed to speak. The, the love that they were expressing for him was so overwhelming. And he got up and he said this. He said, see the suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be a bit more fastidious. So I went out and I bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. You know what occasion that is? This is the suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I am not only who I am, but I also know where I'm going. May your troubles be less, your blessings more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. And that's the God who loves us who has paid for us, to, and his love never leaves us. And so faith is simple, but it's not easy. Joseph knew that all the terrible circumstances, the untimely consequences he'd faced were nothing compared to the richness and the promises of his faithful God. He understood the deepest desire, that desire to have a faithful walk with God and to stay on that course. He understood the simple faith, but for him, it sure wasn't easy. Let's trust his character, even when we don't know what he's doing. You've been listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. You can join us for worship Sunday mornings at our campus on Stone Lake Drive in Wichita Falls. Stream services live online at gracechurch.com or subscribe to our podcast published on Apple, Google, and Spotify. From all of us at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.